things. So go ahead and stand, bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's pray. Thank God for what he's done. Lord, I thank you today for, I thank you just for the giving of your people over this last year. Father, I pray today for those who are about to give, who may give online or drop it in the box today. Lord, we ask your blessing upon that. God, guide us, continue to guide us in using it to your glory. And uh, Lord, we ask today, you'd speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, be here with us. Speak into our lives the word that we need, that we need to act on today so we can see your redemption, your deliverance in our life. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Thank you. Maybe seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, if you turn to Mark chapter 5, and as you're getting there, you know, sometimes I think we can learn the most from the youngest, uh, you know, like our exceptional flash mob of children we had this morning with, uh, with the praise team. But a class full of kids was given assignments on Valentine's Day to write down how do you decide who you should marry. Alex, age 10, says, you got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like, if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports, and she should keep the chips and dips coming. (laughs) Kristen, Kristen, age 10, said, no person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and you get to find out later who you're stuck with. And then they were asked, how can a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age six, said, you might have to guess based on whether or not they seem to be yelling at the same kids. <laughs> how would the world be different if people never got married? Kelvin, age eight, very, you know, obviously a genius, said, well, there should, w- sure would be a lot of kids to explain. If people never get married, you know, how would it be different? You'd have to explain all those kids somehow. Finally, how do you make a marriage work? Ricky, age 10, said, tell your wife that she looks pretty even when she looks like a truck. (laughs) So I know you men were taking notes. I think all, all Christians struggle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and yet God has saved us, ordained us, and provided for us the mental and spiritual reprogramming so we can have complete victory. So how do we go beyond continual defeat in this life and enjoy our biblical authority to destroy the system of the enemy? In order to build my case for how important this is on this Valentine's Day Sunday, let me give you an experiential explanation of our desperate, demented defeat. I mean, I think sometimes we're just too smug and self-satisfied. So can I explore your experience for an explanation of why it is not an accident, but God has made it a divine appointment to have you here this Sunday First off, and this is number one, because as a group, marriages face a far more dire situation than is portrayed by our culture and society. So marriage, being a divine institution, has drawn satanic opposition. And considering the divine order of things... The devil knows that he does his dirtiest work on the next generation by starting with the parents. You know, we see that even today, but we don't recognize the root causes. 
I mean, I was just reading an article today, Andrew Yang, uh, you know, feels like, um, compared to girls, that our boys, our young men are really in a uh, critical situation. He gives some reasons that he thinks that is the case, and therefore things that he believes could be done to help prevent that. But, you know, it's none of, uh, no one is getting down to the root reason. So it's an extensive and sobering picture. Because on the other hand, number two, if the devil can take out a home, then the children in it lose the leadership that they are supposed to follow. They have no visible spiritual example to guide them, and it is then harder for them to maintain their own stability. So unfortunately, couples finishing discipleship is the exception, not the rule. People serving in ministry is scarce, not a matter of course. And so third, living your life in dysfunction has become normalized. I mean, it's routine, it's accepted even in churches. And, and so if you're here and you're not asleep, I know just what you're saying. Look, Alan, I don't know how you knew I was going to be here this Sunday. But I live in a place plagued by, you know, schools that are having problems and parents who are absent and prejudice that is persistent and good jobs on the decline and a subculture that glorifies virtual life over reality. They got swagger, but no spirituality. And so I've been, you know, maybe you're saying, look, Alan, I even been divorced before. Now I got a blended family to raise. And there are, these are all causes contributing to the deepening cycle of hopelessness, hopelessness in my home. So don't let me leave here till you show me how can I get out of the desperate dysfunction which keeps me in bondage to badness and handcuffed to helplessness and prevents me from having spiritual victory that God designed me to have. I'd be glad to help you out. Give me a minute to unpack this passage. We'll clothe ourselves with this truth, get our healing. Head out of here, deciding to be worthy of the walk that God has called us to in his will. You know, the Bible is not sanitized, but it deals with our society. It actually addresses issues current in our culture. Therefore, I have chosen a man in Mark chapter 5, because I believe that if I can deal with the worst case, then that's going to cover your case. So the Bible lets us know his life is disrupted by a devilish presence. Now you may think that idea is far removed from modern life, and yet you don't even understand. I mean, the type of spirit this man had is all over so many of our prominent personalities, you just don't see it as that. And, and so we, what you've got to know before you go, and this is a thesis for today's study, since Satan's goal is always control, devils ride on the back of substance abuse, filthy money, false teaching, and fleshly immorality. And these are pervasive things, not just in our urban centers, but on our college campuses and in our suburban schools. So whenever the unclean is allowed to move unchecked, then dysfunction leading to desperation always follows in its wake. That's exactly where we are at today. So by the time we meet this man in Mark chapter 5, he's foaming at the mouth. 
Now, let me tap into the tapestry of this text in order to show you the disruption of marital dysfunction. Here's a man, presumably a husband and father, who moved from difficult to desperate with no remedy in sight. Many of our homes are desperate for deliverance. What was the source of his dysfunction? Well, first off, notice, if you will, how it was caused, and this is number one, by infestation of the unclean. Verse one, and Jesus and the disciples came over unto the other side of the sea, the Sea of Galilee, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus was come out of the ship, Immediately there met him, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He's got blood oozing from self-inflicted wounds. There's this sour stench of vomit preceding and following. He is unclean. He is unclean, uncomfortable, uncontrollable, unstable, and even unclothed. And there's somebody in the house whose life has been upended by an infestation of spiritual infection. So the devil's worked on you and he's worked in you so that he can work through you. And if you do not check him starting today, he will wreck your life. This man was desperate by virtue of infestation, but second, second, he was also desperate. Number two, by dislocation. That was caused from his dysfunction. Destructive dysfunction definitively dislocated him from three specific things. First, from his family. Now, can I just press pause there parenthetically? Because part of the enemy's plan is to part your family. So instead of, till death do us part, we part from stability and security. And the devil knows that once you get married, he's got something he can attack. But he also knows that while he is against it, God is for it. So marriage is God's divine design as a human institution to provide stability and security in our turbulent society. But, verse 3, he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. This man departed his house, and look where he relocated. His relocation was into a place of death. And second, second, this letter B, he was dislocated from fellowship. Verse 4, because that he had been bound, often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. No one could restrain him. So the tomb became his territory. I mean, he saw dead people. And I don't know just who I'm talking to right now, but somebody's hanging out in dead places with dead people and dead things. You do dead things. And rather than being influenced by life, You are being seduced to die. You are being seduced to waste your life. 
infestation of a destructive, disruptive spirit dislocated him from his family, his friends, and third, letter C, from his future. Verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. You know, you can't focus on tomorrow if you are still chained to yesterday. Okay, okay, you need to come here close. Let me learn you something. This man lived in the tombs, but the tombs are not about tomorrow. So this man was desperate by virtue of infestation, by virtue of dislocation, and third, third, this is number three, by virtue of his incarceration to his past. And somebody listening right now is still stuck in the graveyard of yesterday. Your bitterness is your bondage and you will not let it go. You keep trying to escape, but every time you get to the gate, Satan sends a zombie from yesterday to drag you back to who you used to be, drag you back into that situation that hurts you so bad and makes you so mad. So this man was what social workers call an active recidivist. Now let me break that down for you. He had been jailed more than once. So he'd been jailed and returned to jail. Because like a lot of our violent offenders, he was arrested, got free, got arrested again, made bail, put on parole. I mean, this man was willing to pay the price for his vice. Because he had become accustomed even to incarceration. He was habituated to his addiction. He normalized being let down, smacked down, put down, held down, shut down, and on lockdown. And God ordered your steps to this church this Sunday. Because you've allowed the enemy to make you used to being in bondage. Make you feel like it's normal. Make you think it's no better than can ever be done. And this was a brother in Israel. And and he was bound, verse 5 says, constantly crying and cutting himself. Crying over lost possibilities, failed opportunities, and intentional self-destruction. Crying because he did what he should not have done and did not do what he could have done in raising his kids, loving his wife, serving his God. Now he's older looking back and he regrets some things. He was bound by his chains. He was incarcerated by his crying and then it progresses. Because now he starts to cut himself because self-destruction is the final stage of dysfunction. Help me, Holy Spirit. He cut himself because he was trying to get the evil out. He began to bruise himself because he blamed himself. I mean, he lost it all. He's at the point where he cannot deal with reality. So he goes back to the 40 and back to MD 2020. pity. I mean, something inside of Jesus was reaching out to something inside of him. And he said, if I cannot break free, I can at least go see. And that's my word for somebody. You need to get to Jesus before the benediction today. He ran because he knew the enemy was trying to kill him. I mean, when you know your life is in jeopardy, you got to be ready to jump. 
He was foul-mouthed, thugged-out, wannabe pimp. I mean, he was PG. PG, he was paper gangsta. Broke down, but run into Jesus. He was a question running to an answer. He was a disease moving to the cure. He was a problem stepping to the prescription. And whatever it is that is wrong with you, if you just run to Jesus, he'll fix it. If you're confused, he'll bring you clarity. If you're broken, he'll put you back together. You know, if you don't know where to go, he will give you direction. Now listen, the dead people around him couldn't run, but he could. So since you are here today, do not let the dead people who surround you determine what is going to happen to you. You can't look to them for no clues about what you should be. Because here's our second point for study. To successfully resist the devil negatively, you got to submit to God actively. So verse 6 says, when he got there, he fell down and worshipped. And because, because that's what worship does. And because of worship, something happens. There is now a showdown between the divine and the devils. Why? Because that is what real worship does. And, and, I, and I know you don't believe me, but it's right here in the text. The devil in the man spoke out of the man the moment his free will started to worship. Watch verse 7. And crowd with a, cried with a loud voice and said, What have I? This is the devil speaking through him. What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So I got to say to some married couple today, devil ain't going to let you go without a fight. You know, that's, that's why you can't be no punk if you want to carry your cross. Because this is our third point for study. Whatever satanic opposition you have in your life right now, it still all falls within the providence of God. So when the enemy in this man came face to face with the Christ next to this man, he cried out. And they were telling Jesus, look, we ain't through with this brother yet. He almost off the cliff because he's isolated, he is alienated, he is separated. I mean, we've got him comfortable with corpses. Now all we got to do is kick him over. His daddy won't talk to him. His mama won't let him in the house. He's hurt everybody around him. And now finally he's hurting himself. So just a few more days and we'll put him out of his misery. But wait, hold on one second. There's a disruption to marital dysfunction. Okay, Uh, marital function, marital, you know, dysfunction causes disruption. That's where we've been at in this story to this point. But that's not the end of the story. Because now we see this story is really about God's disruption of your marital dysfunction. It is about how Jesus wants to disrupt your dysfunction. Number five, by impartation of God's word. Jesus has something to say. That's why he gave you a Bible. Because the purpose of his word is to do the work for you and to enable you to get out of the craziness that is crippling your life. Verse 8, 
For Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So the devil cried out bad because verse 8 says, Jesus had spoken first. Oh, if you're a believer by being born again, God has already declared that you belong to him. That's grace. I mean, that's grace. If you're not yet a believer by being born again, all you've got to do today is come to him and worship. And then you belong to him. That's grace. And since God has already commanded your way of escape out of this temptation, the purpose of imparting his word this morning is to call you away from the corpses so you can pick up your cross. How can you carry a cross? Because you are now alive from the dead. And that sets off a panic in this present paragraph. Because the problem and the prescription are in such close proximity. Let me teach that before I preach that. Because the enemy knew that if he could keep the power from getting to the problem, then he could maintain total control. The only hope you ever have is this. The only hope he ever has with you is this. Preventing the power in the word from getting to the problem in your personality. Because if it ever does connect, then his possession is ended. Because no weapon formed against you after that can prosper. Carry your cross, not up to Calvary. Jesus did that for you. Carry it as a testimony to your new life in Christ. And that is why the devil tries to keep you from being here. Because he knows if you keep coming to this church every Sunday and hanging out with this fellowship of believers and get discipled in this disciple-making church, then whatever your problem is comes into proximity with the powerful word of Jesus. And then finally, your problem will have to let you go. Because no demon can outlast God. Verse 9 says, and he asked him, Jesus asked the devil, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. I mean, once the devil see Jesus, they say, what is your intention, Jesus? You think one on 2,000 is a dog fall? You think this is going to be easy? But Jesus, the spiritual gunslinger, has true grit. So he puts the reins in his teeth. He takes out two black back. 66 calibers that he carries in his saddle and he rides toward all of them saying, I mean to cast you out in one minute, Legion. When Jesus speaks, devil starts to negotiate because Satan is not going to leave you alone so easy. He ain't going to let you go so easy. He knows what you are worth to eternity even if you do not. And if you're born again, he knows... What every minute of every day is worth toward God's glory, even if you don't. Verse 10, and he besought Jesus much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was, there was uh, there nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. I mean, I know we got to move because you just gave us an eviction notice. And, and since you own the property, we got to quit squatting on it. Now, just let your imagination marinate over that fragrant turn of phrase. We got to quit squatting here. 
And, uh, and we know we can't have him, but can we have his kids? How about his baby mama? What about his cousin and them? I mean, as long as the devil is still in the country, he is waiting for another crack. Okay, just let your imagination marinate on that addictive turn of phrase. So since it is not the devil's time to go to the pit yet, and it is not for us the millennium yet, then verse 13, forthwith Jesus gave them leave. I mean, it's like, okay, this guy came and worshipped me. I'm saving him. The rest of these Gadarenes, this kind of on them. We'll see out of this Gadarene group how many others are going to worship me. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. That was about the number of a legion, and they were choked in the sea. So this one man is carrying enough stress, enough pain, enough hurt, that when it was released, it killed 2,000, but the water choked it out. Because the only thing that will drown out unclean spirits is the water of God's word. How do you get clean if you're unclean? Wash in the water. Get the fountain of the Holy Ghost going in you. So marital dysfunction is changed by the word of Jesus. And number six, by manifestation of God's mercy. This man now says the, the me you see is not the me who used to be. Watch verse 15. And the Gadarenes come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. But they didn't worship because they were scurred. I mean, if, if, I mean, if what happens when that man gets saved is we lose 2,000 pigs at 75 cents a pound, we may go bankrupt over this. And so the effect of the applied word of God in your life is to distill the discipline that will develop you and ultimately deliver you. I just gave you the answer. And that is what grace brings when the word is applied in practice. So you do see the problem. Most churches do not want living people if they are still in dead situations. They want to catch the fish, but they're not willing to do the hard work of cleaning the catch. That's discipleship. And that's work for a stand-up soldier of the cross. And when you rescue somebody that everybody else has thrown away, you don't have to worry much about their commitment. I mean, when God delivers you financially, well, you don't tip God anymore. You start giving him the tithe right off the top. And people, that makes them feel bad. So they try and pin a pejorative on you. They say, you radical. No, it ain't radical, it's revival. And that's the way the delivered do. He says, the only way I made it was mercy. I, I didn't make it on my mind. I did not make it on my money. I made it on God's mercy. And if you want to know that God is real and Jesus is alive, just look at me. I am the manifestation of the mercy of God. So in the final analysis, that leaves one thing to disrupt your dysfunction because your manifestation will come. Number seven. By proclamation of your witness. Be a star by being the star witness for Jesus. You proclaim with your words because you want other people to get saved from their dysfunction the same way that you did. And that is why you take up your cross after Calvary and follow him. God wants you to be a spiritual soldier, part of a search and rescue team 
Because he wants to send you into dead zones to catch living people. Verse 18, and when Jesus was coming to the ship, so he's going to go back to the other side. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and had compassion on thee. This man, desperate, devil-infested, possessed, got delivered. And Jesus did for him immediately what we get the privilege to do through the process of discipleship in this church. This man goes home to his family because he's got discipline now. His power is under the Holy Spirit's control. His mind is transformed. He can think God's thoughts for himself. So Jesus sends him back to start over with his friends and with his family. My time is up today. I thank you for yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Alan, but if I've messed up, what do I do? Well, grace is the finished work of Christ operating on your behalf when you activate it by faith. So if you put your faith in Jesus for what he promises you, what does he promise? Everlasting life. New life now that makes you a new creature now today and extends on into eternity. God will put you in Christ, the Holy Spirit in you, and you are born again. That is the ultimate gift that you need this Valentine's Day Sunday. So if you need it, will you just pray with me right now and get it? I mean, all you have to do is pray. Just pray and say, God, save me for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for eternal life. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you pray that, will you come up to the front, either while we're singing or after we get done, and let us know so I can give you a copy of my book, Next Steps for New Believers. Here's the amazing thing. You know, Brandon said something at the end of the service that's, that stuck in my mind. Before, before they started singing, Brandon said, what we need is Jesus. But you know what else? What Jesus needs is us. We are his body. And, and you know what? Yes, it is true. This man needed Jesus. But did you know that Jesus got on a boat on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? No reason for him to go to the land of the Gadarenes. They were a bunch of Jews who kept pigs for a living. That's an unclean animal. No reason in the world Jesus should take his disciples and row all the way over there. Except Jesus needed this man. Jesus needs you to be part of his body. Go ahead and stand and let's get ready to sing. God meets us with his mercy. God saves us with his grace. God sustains us with his love. The word of God will do the work for us. God will bless you. God will, God will reframe your relationships. And then he will teach you how to see it as an instrument of spiritual growth and development so that you can pursue the purpose he has for you in eternity.
praise team sing us out.